Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second season of What About Grief? I'm Larry Holm. Well, here we are, January 2024, and all the ways to look at things at the start of a new year. A clean slate, a new beginning, and my hope to help give you a fresh perspective on your grief. How did the holidays go for you? And what did you learn about yourself and your grief these past two months? As you reflect on them, what was the toughest part of the season? I'm sure in some ways we are all happy the holidays are over. Secretly, I am. Make sure to email me at whataboutgriefpod at gmail.com and share your comments on how you survived the holidays. I'd like to review them on a future podcast with all of you. If you are an NFL fan, January is an exciting time. The regular season is winding up. The playoffs are about to start. Plus, let's face it, everyone wants to know where Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are going for dinner after the game. And our guest this month is a man who knows a lot about the NFL playoffs, having played in a total of 17 postseason games during his 11-year career as the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Jim Kelly's career is filled with numerous stats and records, too long to list, but what might be the highlight of his career came in August 2002 when he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the first year he was eligible. But football isn't the only thing that defines Jim. He is a husband, father, friend, businessman, and a man of faith. And that faith has been tested. In August 2005, Jim Kelly experienced a loss unlike any other. His eight-year-old son, Hunter, passed away from complications due to Crab A disease, a terminal illness that meant for all of his short, young life, Hunter couldn't speak, walk, swallow, or move voluntarily without painful suffering. To honor his son, Jim and his family established the Hunter's Hope Foundation in 1997, a nonprofit organization committed to giving hope through education, awareness, research, and family care for children struggling with this disease. And then in 2013, Jim was diagnosed with a form of cancer in his jaw and underwent surgery, chemo, and radiation treatments. The cancer reappeared in 2014, as well as in 2018, and again most recently in 2021. But thankfully, Jim now is cancer-free. With all of that as a backdrop, Jim Kelly, welcome and thank you for taking the time to share your story with me and our listeners. Hey, how you doing, guys? Um, hey, Larry. Uh, yeah, as you were going through all that early on, talking about Hunter, um, I started reminiscing about the time that he was here and then, of course, getting a little choked up behind it. But uh you know, bottom line is he made me the man I am today. And, um, uh, you know, going through all the stuff that I've been through in my life, uh, I don't complain anymore because <laughs> as I travel the country speaking, I, I meet people that, uh, that have, you know, they're, they're so much worse off than I am. So I just, you know, I just do what I got to do. I try to make sure that when I leave that talk that I'm giving that they leave with an attitude that they're going to go out and make somebody else's day better by, you know, their presence and what they say, you know, hugs and kisses and especially the smiles that they put on their faces. So um, I'm here for a reason. That's why the good Lord put me here. That's why I've been through all that to be able to make a difference. What a great perspective. Thank you. Um, 
Kind of describe Hunter Forrest. Uh, what are some of your strongest memories of him? Well, number one, he was born on my birthday, Valentine's Day, and uh, I remember that day. Uh, it's a long story, but I'm going to keep it short. That uh, my wife, uh, who said that she was not going to find, well, we both did, said we were not going to find out the sex of the child. And unfortunately, uh, you know, a few weeks before he was born, um, my wife found out at a doctor's appointment with, uh, you know, her uh, lady doctor, and uh, they said, where's Jim? And that's the only me and I could go to. And she said, oh, he couldn't even make it today. And, of course, she said, would you like to know the sex of the child? <laughs> and she goes, yeah. <laughs> so she already knew when, you know, the water broke and everything. We are going to the hospital and thinking, I'm thinking, boy, wouldn't it be great if it was a boy? And she already knew. Mm. And it was my birthday. I mean, imagine having a, a son born on your birthday, which, which for me was Valentine's Day. So... I was pumped, and then of course, when uh, when the baby came out and it was a boy, I, I did dancing around the room, <laughs> and I was holding my son. I cut the umbilical cord, but you know those things that I saw, you know, leading up to his diagnosis was was tough. I mean, he was crying twenty two, twenty three hours a day. Mm. We knew something was wrong. We, we you know did everything we could, but uh, you know, as time went on, we started treating him like he was living. And, uh, and he was normal. We would put him on the back of, you know, ponies. Uh, he would be riding on the horses and we'd, um, uh, put him on the back of snowmobiles. And of course, uh, what I like to do is watch videos of VHSs back in my day. It was VHSs and we watched the bills, you know, winning. And that was back when Hunter was born. That was back when the bills were up. Good. So <laughs> we had to pull out some of them old videos and, and watch daddy play and, and paint them up because I love the outdoors. I love to hunt and fish and all that. And yep. we'd be painted up and I'd pretend like, you know, we're going hunting or fishing and uh, we'd be watching, you know, the outdoor channel and things like that. And just, you know, having a time in my life with him, even though he could not talk, he never walked, talked, smiled. But you know what the bottom line is? Uh, he, as I, you know, stated at the beginning, He's what made me who I am today. The toughness that uh, I, you know, people talk about when I played, and I looked. Uh, the toughness I got was was from my son watching all the things he went through, and it was tough. It was really tough, but especially for um, my wife. So, yeah. um, but but I'm here now, and I'm still here. God still has uh, a purpose for my life. So early on, after Hunter passed away at only eight years old, when and how did grief? hit you and and how did you deal with it well me and my wife dealt with it totally different uh my wife uh after my son was born um seek the lord um and of course i i ran i i i was mad i was i didn't want to have anything to do with it i was wondering why god would put me through so much i mean you know, like my senior year in college, I blew my shoulder out. They told me I never played football game. And then, you know, playing for the Buffalo Bills and going to four Super Bowls and not winning. And mm -hmm. just the ups and downs of my life and everything that, you know, that was I was going through. And um, then going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I was blessed because my son was able to be there with me that day. I was inducted. And then just yep. a short period after that, all the things that he was going through, um, you know, it, it was tough, um, and I continued to fight with the Lord, wondering why God would ever do this to me. And um, and that, but my wife she continued to seek God, and that was not good for our relationship, our marriage. We knew the only thing that was holding our marriage together was our son. And the day that he did pass, 
uh, was the day that both of us thought that divorce was ready to run the corner. But I decided uh, a short time after that I know I needed to do something. I needed to change my life. And uh, that's what I did. I, I said, I need you, God. I need you in my life. I need to change mine. I need to change all the things that I'm doing. And uh, I did. And thank God I did because I understand why I was getting put through all those. And and how did you balance grieving Hunter, but then at the same time try and and provide a happy life for your two daughters? Oh, it, you know what? It was it was tough, but I, I'm very good at putting negativity to the side. I mean, maybe that's because being a quarterback, uh, you throw an interception, you got to forget about learn from it. When mm-hmm. you lose, you got to you know learn from it. You put it to the side. And uh, I always was able to do that. I always try to focus my my mind on positive stuff and not negative stuff. I don't try to let it wear me down. And uh, I always kept busy. And uh, that's probably why I ran to no huddle offense. I, I was fast. <laughs> I kept on moving, moving, moving. And I was able to do it. But, you know, having my two daughters now in my life is, is such a blessing. I mean, my Oldest daughter is married now, married for five years, no grandchildren yet. Unfortunately, (laughs) he's going through some tough times with Lyme disease, and she caught Mm. probably hunting with me by a tick. Oh, my. But, um, and then uh, my youngest daughter is a senior, uh, well, she's a first year um, grad school at Liberty University. So um, I'm very blessed. I have a beautiful wife, two great daughters, and a son in law. So, um, it, it was hard to, at the beginning to see all the things they were going through, but they were young when Hunter was here. So they, it didn't hurt. It didn't affect them as much as it does now mm. when they look back and saw what all the things that Hunter had to go through. And, you know, everyone grieves differently. I know I do, uh, when my wife passed away and I'm sure obviously you and your wife do in regards to Hunter. But is there any advice you would make sure to share with other parents who are struggling after the loss of losing a child? You're listening to the What About Grief podcast. We will get back to my discussion with Jim Kelly in a moment. But I wanted to remind you that you can write to us at the show with your thoughts, ideas, or description of your own grief journey. We appreciate hearing from you and we like being connected with our listeners. So please reach out to us via email at whataboutgriefpod at gmail.com. Also, if you like the podcast and find it helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, hit the subscribe button, and leave a review. All of this helps us grow the podcast and share the link with those you know who are experiencing their own grief. The goal of the podcast is to help those like us navigate the confusing emotion that is grief. Is there any advice you would make sure to share with other parents who are struggling after the loss of losing a child? Well, number one, it's not easy. Uh, number two is the way that I and my wife got through it was the grace of God, knowing that uh, she's the only one that knows all of our days and uh, whatever you can do to make your days each and every day better. Um, think about what he or she has done uh, to your life, even though it, it, a lot, pretty much a lot of them are not very good, but uh, never give up on dreams, never give up on being a difference maker for somebody else. And at least I know through my, um, my uh, travels, uh, talking to other people, a lot of other people are doing the same thing. They're trying to make good of it. Uh, even though, um, 
you know, they lost that loved one. They know God has a purpose for all of our lives. And, and if you have your faith, that that's what's going to get you through. Because I know that's what it got me through it. You and your family created the Hunter's Hope Foundation to address the acute need for information and research with respect to crab A disease, which took Hunter's life, as well as to strive and support and encourage those afflicted and their families as they struggle to adjust and cope with demands with the demands of this this illness. How fulfilling has that been for you and your wife and, and really your whole family to create this foundation? Well, it's great, but, uh, you know, it's frustrating because uh, you wish that uh, people out there that make the decisions on, you know, you know what they're going to test for and all that uh, were better, you know, in, in tune to what was going on. I mean, we found... We tried to make sure that every state in this country tests for the maximum amount of treatable disease. And I don't know whether you know this or not, Larry, but uh, um, every state in this country is different on how many diseases they test for. Yep. And uh, we want we we want every state to test for the maximum amount because there's kids out there dying that all they had to do is if they would have known at birth what was wrong, they would have been able to put them on another diet been able to give them something so they didn't have to suffer and mm-hmm. some of them a c- complete cure. But we cannot get our government to understand that we need every state testing for the maximum amount of treatable diseases. And we're letting this all go by. You know what? I'm not going to stop until every state in this country tests for the maximum amount of treatable diseases and give these kids a chance to dream like I was able to do as a little boy. And right now, they just don't get it. And um, like I said, I'm not stopping. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I saw that your wife had, had gone and presented it in front of those in Washington uh, pretty recently, correct? Yes, within the last year. And we'll be hopefully going back in, in, you know, within the next year or two and, and uh, hopefully getting some things changed. Good. In my December... And, and just oh, really quick, it, it's not... It's just not what my son went through. It's a Luca dystrophy, which thousands and thousands of babies are born in this country with this. And uh, it, it affects everybody. This is not just Buffalo, New York. This is every state in the United States and Canada and across the country. There's so many kids that are dying now. If they just are able to get tested at birth, all we have to do is take that blood spot, send it off to a lab and be tested. It's not that hard. I listened to your Hall of Fame speech and you know, you mentioned that Hunter was the toughest person you had ever met, that he was your hero. And you were able to look out and see him sitting there with uh, the rest of your family in that crowd. And I'm, I'm wondering, what were those emotions like when you were able to look at him at, at that, you know, at such an important moment in your professional NFL career, but to see him out there uh, with you? Well, um, I remember when I was in New Orleans, um, when that phone call came that I was picked on the first ballot to go into the Hall of Fame. I had me, my five brothers, my dad, and my high school football coach with me and uh, uh, celebrating. And just it was so much fun. And knowing that I, I prayed every night that it was God's will that my son would be there the day that I was inducted. And when August came around, my son was there. And, uh, it was a hard speech to give when he was out there sitting and, and being in the situation he was, but, uh, 
I was really that blessing. I thank God for, for that opportunity to have my son there. And it, it was amazing. It was one of the best feelings of my life. Is there something you do or your family does um, that you, in, in how you choose to remember Hunter specifically on significant dates, whether it's his, his birthday or the, the day of his passing, how, how do you remember him in, on those dates? What we do, we go, of course, we go to the cemetery, which is very close to where we're at. It's in my wife's hometown. We go there, we celebrate on Valentine's Day. We do a Hunter's Day of Hope for Children here in Buffalo. Um, also, I have a outdoor lodge um, in upstate New York that's named after my son. And uh, But there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about Hunter. And, um, I, I miss him. I miss him every day. And... It's hard. It still is. But you know what? I try to think of the positives and uh, what he's doing now and knowing. And this is probably one of the biggest moments, too, is the day that I go, at least I know where I'm going. I'm going to be seeing my son. And I'm not quite ready yet, God. <laughs> Give me some time. I got a lot more to do. But uh, I, I, I can't wait for that day because I know who I'm going to see. And that's my son, Hunter James Kelly. Well, that's pretty neat. Jim, thank you for your time today. Your life has been full of highs and lows, both on and off the football field. But you have made something so tough, the loss of your son, Hunter, into something that is helping and educating other families. Thank you for opening up and sharing your story. And I truly believe sharing in the hope of helping others is a way to honor our loved ones. So thank you for this time. Larry, I appreciate it. I thank you very much. And my last thing that I could say is, um, you know what? You don't have to be a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, you can be a truck driver, a school teacher, you know, an MC, whatever the case may be, to be a difference maker because there's so many people out there that can change other people's lives by a smile, a hug, I and I love you. And uh, so I just urge everybody out there to be a difference maker. And I came up with this saying, make a difference today for someone who's fighting there tomorrow. So may the good Lord continue to bless each and every one of you. Thank you for having me on, Larry. You take care and God bless. Thanks, Jim. I really do appreciate you taking time and coming on the podcast today and sharing your story with us. And if you listeners would like to be a difference maker, check out huntershope.org to find out more about what this awesome foundation is doing. I begin my mornings by reading a daily meditation from a book a close friend shared with me after Sarah, my wife, passed away. It is called Healing After Loss, and the author is Martha W. Hickman, and I love this book. It gets me thinking about grief in a different perspective, and in some ways, it is always very relatable to me. Now, I'm no Oprah, and I don't have a book club, but if I did, I would put this book on my list. This specific meditation is from the December 11th reading. How many times have we lain awake at night, our thoughts weighed with stress, our brains worrying over this or that problem, and all of it compounded by our frustration at not being able to do what we should be doing, which is to sleep. And then in the morning, though we may be tired, things usually do look better. To be in profound grief is a much more basic affliction than a little nocturnal restlessness but it does seem as though grief sits more heavily on our hearts when all is still and dark. A good time to cry. Sometimes an unavoidable time to cry. 
Then the morning comes. And even though the sadness persists into daylight, perhaps it moderates a bit with the sight of sunshine, the smell of coffee, some familiar routines to attend to. Not to mention the symbolic overtones of night and morning that, grim though our sadness is, surely there are brighter days. I will welcome the sunshine into my life for warmth, for illumination, and as a bearer of hope. And then it closes with a verse from Psalm 30. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I very much related to this one due to what has recently happened to me and my family with the sudden loss of my mom back in November. I think between her loss and then the new look, feel, and adjustment of the holidays for my family, you sometimes do wonder, will the sun come out again? But I'm here to tell you that it does. I do look forward to the mornings and what the new day will spring on me. I realize grief is always lingering and will come ambush me and remind me of my loss when I least expect it. But I know through confidence, strength, and hope, I will look forward to brighter days. Time to get back up again. Wouldn't our loved ones want that from us? My thanks to Jim Kelly. What About Grief is available monthly on all major podcast listening platforms. Please follow the podcast as well as rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. The executive producer of What About Grief is Marsha Anderson. Logo artwork was designed by Ted Studios. This episode was recorded at BAM Studios in Chicago. And lastly, feel free to email us at whataboutgriefpod at gmail.com.